Are you interested in making your own podcast? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. You guys can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And in fact, I'm using Anchor and I love it. If you're interested, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Today is Wednesday, September 27th. Welcome to my little corner of the internet. You have found me at the Busy Mom Podcast. Today, my guest, Rebecca Lindenback, is here and we're gonna be talking directly to parents about what it means to communicate with your kids and put the relationship ahead of the rules. If you don't want your kids to rebel, stick around. I think you're gonna be encouraged. So I heard about Rebecca because I know Rebecca's mom, Sheila Gregoire. Many of you guys have heard her on the podcast with me. And Rebecca is the daughter of Sheila. And Rebecca, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So Rebecca, you are, how old are you now? Because I'm looking at your website, but I think it might be not right. It's likely not right. I am 22 years old now. All right. So you're 22. You're married. You live in, do you live in Ottawa? Yeah, I live in Ottawa, our capital. All right. I was hearing a little Canadian accent there. I like it. I'll likely say A quite a few times throughout all this. Okay. So this is a funny thing. So I spoke in Canada several times last year and I think I, I wasn't really sure how to say A and I think I may have said A and they were like, no, like I, I think I got booed. It was really embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you guys take your little A thing in Canada seriously, A? And they were like, it's not Canadian. I'm like, shoot, I got two wrong in one sentence. No fun. (laughs) No good. So you've written a book, a brand new book, um, which I am really, really interested in. And I think the parents who are listening to this are going to be really interested in too, because everybody who listens to this podcast is interested in shepherding their children in such a way that their children would walk with the Lord after they leave their home. And you wrote a book called Why I Didn't Rebel. A 22-year-old explains why she stayed on the straight and narrow and how your kids can too. Why did you write the book? Well, I wrote the book because it's actually because of my mom. I have a lot to thank my mom for, including most of the stuff in that book. But she emailed me once because she had been writing on her blog about parenting and about how kids don't have to rebel. It doesn't have to be inevitable. But she kept on getting all these comments saying, no matter what you do, there's nothing you can do. Some kids will always just fall away from the faith. And she says, well, yes, that may be true. We can't ever guarantee anything, but that doesn't mean there's no hope. And she was getting a little bit fed up with this mentality that there's no hope when a kid hits 13, they just won't love their parents anymore. And there's nothing you can do. So she called me, she said, Hey, you didn't rebel. You need to write me a blog post because they'll believe you and they can't say you didn't rebel. Because well, <laughs> you said awesome. you didn't. So yeah, I told her that I wouldn't do it. I said no. And then I was sitting in a mind numbingly boring stats class in university and I decided that I would just write it. I typed it out in 20 minutes, posted it on her site, and it went viral. And long story short, I got a book contract out of it. And now there's a book. So you, so next time your mom tells you to write a blog post, you should probably just do it. I have not said no ever since. Yeah. Okay, good. So that's good. So <laughs> I want to cut right to the chase here. Um, 
just so that we we make sure to get everything in today. When when parents um, talked about their children falling away, so I have seven children. My oldest is 26, so I've been in the parenting gig for a long time. And in that 26 years of parenting, I've watched really great parents, really great parents, have kids that seemingly just one day just go, bye-bye, and I don't believe in God anymore, and I don't we need to talk. I don't want you to talk about God around me. And by the way, I'm going to go out and do every horrible thing that ever horrified you in your whole life. And mm-hmm. thank you for raising me. I have a lovely parting gift for you. And mm-hmm. it's devastating. It's devastating for parents who have spent so much time and energy pouring into their children to have what seems to them to sort of come out of the you know left field, their child just rebel. So why do you, according to you, why do you think kids fall away? Well, there's so many things that go into it. And of course, there are always going to be some people that fall away, even when parents do everything perfect and everything should line up for staying on the straight and narrow, some kids will choose another path. And that's just the God we have allows us to make choices. But a huge thing that I noticed between families that had kids who didn't rebel versus kids who did, even those kids who grew up in these perfect Christian families where they seem to be on the right track, is the difference of treating church and God like a club versus like a team. And I can explain that. So there are some families who treat church like a club. You know, it's a fun place where you belong, you have friends, you have community, but that's kind of as far as it goes. There's not much of a greater purpose. Mm -hmm. It's just about that community. And even the outreach events that you do, they're all about your town. Or if you volunteer, it's on your worship team. So everything you do kind of feeds into that club. Everything you do makes your club bigger and better. Some families, however, treat church and treat God like it's a team effort. So there's three things that go into a team like that. You equip, right? So you have training exercise if you're on a football team, same way you have to be disciplined and you have to be taught how to truly live for God in a selfless way if you're on a team for Christ. As well, every single member has its own special place that it belongs where you are doing things that are inconvenient to yourself, mm-hmm. right? If you're in a club, you just kind of leave the club if it's not very fun anymore. But if you're on a team, you're in it for the long haul. You're in it for a greater goal. And that's the third point. You're in it for something greater. So I'm going to stop you for just a second because <laughs> our, um, I love what you're saying. Our, our pastor actually just this last Sunday was talking about this out of second Corinthians and basically talking about how the church and now and how culture views church as a club, which is really true because I, I'm, I want to pick, you know, I'm kind of going to jump off of something you said, because you were talking about how, um, when it, when we don't like it, we just don't show up. Well, I'm not, you know, I'm in a club. You said something I don't like, or this is inconvenient to me, or maybe it's just an inconvenient truth. And so we, we show up when we want, when we want to feel good and we don't show up when we don't feel good. And I, and his point was that the church is there to be a family to operate really as a, as he didn't, I don't think he used the word team per se, but he was talking about the church being a family where we hold each other accountable, where we actually do life together, where it's not all about the person who's coming to the church. It's about the church behaving like the church. And and if I hear you correctly, you're saying that when parents are, when they view church as a club, or maybe they're, maybe they're just Sunday Christians, which is sort of the same thing, right? That that tends to, uh, that is that's at least contributing to rebellion later in life? 
I think so. I think that even goes further than that as well, because you have your Sunday Christians, of course, the people who say on Sunday, like, you know, praise God, and then on Monday, they'll say all sorts of things that are definitely not praise God. Um, right. And then you also have people who are excellent Christians throughout their entire week. But to the kids, it never seems to go further than that small circle. See, the difference with millennials in my generation versus any other generation this far is that our world is just so huge, but also so small, right? You click on a button and you see news sites about the horrific things happening across the world. And so then, yes, you may have had an excellent community outreach at your church. And even if your church is acting like an excellent family, it can just seem very just kind of trite sometimes. I'm going to be mm-hmm. completely honest. If you go into a church and all they're ever talking about is what the church is doing, mm-hmm. it just seems like, well, what, what are we doing in the long haul? How is this helping people who are being killed overseas? How mm. is this helping? How is this transforming the world as a whole? How is this truly helping God's kingdom come to earth? And that is not all on the church or all on the families. That is a lot of it is as teenagers, we have a hard time seeing the big picture, right? We have a hard time understanding how a bunch of small parts can make a whole, but there are some families who showed their kids how to have a faith that extended even beyond the four walls of their church, even beyond their communities. And that's how you create faith that truly is like a team. It has to be more. Yeah, it has to be more. And it seems to me like the, you know, the millennials, this generation is very much into social justice, right? And mm-hmm. so we see that get, we see that get twisted, but God is a God of justice, right? Those, this is part of his justice and mercy. He's part of that. And we want our kids to see that. But when we're talking about the, the, lar- which we are the larger issue of rebellion, our kids walking away from the Lord. And a parent who's going, well, wait a second, Rebecca, I'm doing all these things. Like our church is doing outreach. We're, we're, we've done all these things. When you talk about rebellion and a kid who just, you know, seems like a good kid, they're doing really great in high school, whatever. They seem like they're great. And then they go away. Usually it happens when they go to college exactly. or they leave the home. First of all, I think we kind of need to define rebellion. So the, the, the parents, because I know that there are parents who are listening to this right now, and they haven't made it to the teenage years yet, and they're totally freaked out. So before we go any farther, I just want to say, I've actually loved having teenagers. There have been points in my life that I haven't loved it. But for the, but by far and away, I have loved having teenagers in our home. Our husband and I have loved them. And my, my adult children are my best friends in the whole world. And once mm-hmm. you make it past that transition, there's a lot to be, to really look forward to. But I think we hear so much about rebellion. That um, it, I think even the definition of rebellion can sort of like, well, what am I looking for? What are the signs? So when, if someone were to ask you what rebellion is, what would you say? Rebellion to me is a pattern of living against what God wants. You know, we see a kid go to one party and then they repent and they're really sad. But I don't actually know if that's rebellion in the same way that living a life of consistently like lying or not living the way that God has called you to live is. I think that rebellion is just this loss of potential to serve the kingdom. And that's Mm. why it's so sad. Mm. And typically we're looking at this at, you know, during adolescence, because it's such a unique time of life when you're, when your child is really making this transition from child to adult. And this is when you're most susceptible to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And especially, yeah, it, it's it's during tra- big transition periods, right? It's when you have that fork in the road. Like when you hit the teenage years, that's a fork in the road. And you can choose to make wise decisions or you can choose to make unwise decisions. And same thing, just like what you were saying, a lot of these great kids, they start to make unwise decisions when they hit college, right? Because they're out of their little comfort zone for the first time. Mm-hmm. And that's when you have to decide who you are as an adult. And that, I think, is where this 
mentality of how you're treating the church really comes into play. Because mm-hmm. what I saw over and over again, and this is what, because most of my book, I talked about kids who um, really went off the rails in high school when I talked about rebellion, you know, the ones who are into partying a ton and who experimented with things that they later regretted. But the people in the back of my mind that kept on gnawing at me were, but what about the kids who never actually did anything wrong necessarily? They just like to an outsider view, but they just stopped following God as much as their parents would have liked. Like the ones who didn't ever get drunk, the ones who didn't ever try out drugs. What about those kids? And that's what I think this comes into play with, this idea of having church be more than just what's fun, Mm -hmm. right? Having Mm -hmm. church mean something outside of the four walls of your actual physical building. Yeah. And And I think, yeah. Well, and I wonder too about parents who are you know, I'm, I'm looking at something that you wrote in the in the beginning of your book, where you're talking to the mother of a 13 year old girl. And hello, I have a moment of silence for every mother of a 13 year old girl. Mm-hmm. I have had several of those. <laughs> and a 13 you wrote you write a 13 year old girl going through all the horrors of PMS for the first time is not going to be a docile, sweet, and selfless. She's just not. She's going to resemble something along the lines of an anaconda mixed with a tiger that has a thorn in its foot and is hunting for blood. <laughs> I was like, that's totally right. And then you continue. I see some personal experience on that Right? One. How parents handle a child's natural transition from kid to teenager has a lot of power. Are you the kind of parent who hugs her daughter while she cries and tells her, I know everything's horrible when your uterus tries to eat its way out of you? Or do you tell your cramping, PMSing daughter, honey, the Bible says in everything, give thanks. So you really need to work on being gracious and thankful right now. And I think there's a lot of people listening to this and be like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I did that. And I think sometimes, you know, looking at, because when your kids hit the, the teen years, they're going to be, they are, they're, they can be moody, they can be disrespectful, they can be frustrated because becoming an adolescent is frustrating. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between a child who's transitioning into adolescence and a child who's entering rebellion. And I, I love That's what you're saying because the difference is is that pattern of doing things that violate what God says is is right. Yeah. That's so true. I mean, I'm very thankful that being moody is not a sin necessarily because I oh my goodness, I was I made parenting not very fun for my mom between the ages of eleven and fourteen. I was all over the place. But yeah, mm-hmm. it is how parents handle those things, such as experience hormones for the first time or whether it's having your first real questions about faith or boys or friends or Mm -hmm. trying to figure out who you are, how you handle those things has so much power. Yeah. And the biggest thing that I found by, I interviewed 25 young adults from my book. um, And that's how I got all this information and did a bunch of research for psychology. And just what I found is just parents who just talk to their kids. Mm -hmm. It just, it makes a world of difference. Yep. Yeah. And we're not talking like sitting down and having a scheduled heart to heart where it's like, okay, Tell me everything that's on your mind right now. No, but just have this pattern of well, just doing chatting. life together. It's yeah, doing life exactly. together. Yeah. And I think parents I, I think parents need to recognize that just because your kid has a bad day doesn't make them a bad kid. Just because you're clashing your personality. I, I can think of my personality. Usually the kids that I struggle with the most are the kids who have a personality that's very similar to mine. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, we're you you tend to start, you know, butting heads a little bit. And then your kids question your authority or they, you know, whatever it is. But that's not automatically rebellion. And I think sometimes parents they they feel that pushback from their kids. And so their instinct is to freak out, tighten the screws, 
you know, make sure that they're not, you know, nothing's leaking, making sure that they're, that that child's doing what they're supposed to be doing. And they don't recognize that what's happening isn't actually rebellion. And this is a time for you to come into the relationship. And instead of putting the rules in place, recognize that, that rules without relationships, that's, what's going to get you the rebellion. And so, uh, I want for just a second to talk about that. When we talk about rules and parenting and what sort of leads to rebellion, most of the time when I, when I talk to parents who are frustrated and discouraged, um, when it, if you peel back the layers, you'll find that there were a lot of rules in place, but there wasn't a lot of relationship. There wasn't, because the parents were afraid of being questioned. They were afraid of having um, their authority questioned when the child is trying to assert his or her autonomy as they get a little bit older. And so it seems like those rules sort of come into place. And if the relationship isn't there to back it up, you've got a recipe for rebellion. What do you say? I completely agree. <laughs> like I hands down 100% completely agree with that. I think the problem with rules is that just like what you said, they stem out of a reaction a lot of times, a reaction of fear, right? Or a reaction of panic when you see your kid doing something that might lead to something bad. And that's just no way to have a meaningful relationship. If you're always reacting out of fear, then where is the chance to actually see that person as a human being, right? Mm -hmm. You start seeing them as behaviors. And that's the problem that I found with a lot of these kids who did rebel. And it was the opposite with those of us who didn't rebel. For instance, um, here's, here's a, a typical one the parents would often crack down on. When I was 15 years old, I added a 17-year-old boy on Skype who my parents and I both knew was experimenting in drugs and drank at parties. And so we knew that. All of us knew his family. And my mom was not very happy with that because I was 15 and I had this 17 year old boy on Skype. And so she came up to my room and she had two options. Now, most of my friends' moms would have probably gone something along the lines of, you are never allowed to speak to him again. You are grounded young lady. I cannot believe you added him. Give me your phone. There is no way I can trust you with that ever again. Mm -hmm. right? right. But my mom instead, she actually just came to me and talked to me about what she was feeling. Right. She said, honey, this freaks me out. She, I'm pretty sure she actually said the word freaks me out. I can well. actually hear her saying that. Yeah. Oh, you totally can't. Can't yeah. you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So my mom just comes in and says, you added this boy we'll call Tom on Skype. And I am very uncomfortable with that. And then I said, yeah, I get that. And here is what I'm thinking. I am not into anything like that. I am homeschooled. So I don't really talk to friends at school. Whereas if I was in public school, I could. I never hang out with him one-on-one -on -one or when he's with any of his friends. I only hang out with him as he's at church and we don't video call. We just text and I promise to never get into his car because he's a horrible driver. <laughs> and just like that, my mom's fears were all just gone because she knew I already had these systems in place to keep myself safe, mm -hmm. right? But if she just clamped down, you can't have that trust because she would have never given me a chance to prove that I was trustworthy. Right. And right. that's the kind of thing our relationship was based around is vulnerability with our emotions and how we were feeling. And then the chance to prove yourself and earn trust. So as you, so as, as um, the kids are growing, and I think this is so important because we definitely see this in the homeschool community. You know, we, you know, I think parents can feel like their children are somehow safe within the confines of homeschooling. But the truth is, I mean, let's be honest for a second. Any kid can rebel. It doesn't matter if you homeschool them. I'm always telling parents on this podcast, homeschooling is not the answer. Like if you're looking no. for it, you know, I'm going to keep my kid from uh, rebellion and make sure that they walk the straight and narrow their whole life. So therefore, I'm going to homeschool them. Just quit and put your kid back in school. 
because that's not a good reason to homeschool your children. And I think parents need to understand it kind of goes back to what you're saying. What you're saying is kind of echoing what I was just saying, which is rules rules without relationship is a recipe for rebellion. And Mm -hmm. after, after a while, when you, when you've been homeschooling for a little while, you realize your children are just as susceptible. They may not have as many opportunities, but their hearts are just as susceptible to rebellion, even if they're homeschooled, as they would be if they had gone into school. Because you can you can tell a child to sit down, and that child can sit down, but they can be very much standing up on that on the inside. Is that right? <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And I and so we're going to come back, um, Rebecca. I've really appreciated you talking uh, with me today. We're going to come back on Friday, and we're going to uh, we're going to address this idea of how parents can talk so their kids can actually hear them. So if you've got a teenager in your home, or you've got uh, or you've got some preteens, or you're a mom who's three years old and you're just a little bit um, over anxious, come back on Friday. Rebecca and I are going to be talking about how you can actually build the relationship that we've been talking about with your kids to sort of hem in their hearts, which is really what we want to do. So Rebecca, thanks for coming on the podcast with me today. I'll see you back here on Friday. Wonderful. Hey, everybody, if you're looking for the new scripture writing challenge, it'll be out in just another day or so. And we are going to be talking about what it means to be a disciple. Kind of goes along with what uh, I've been talking about here with Rebecca. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Has everything to do with our relationship between ourselves and the living God. And it means that we live in right relationship with Him in every area of our life. So that's what I'm going to be tackling in the month of October, which I cannot believe I just said out loud, but October is right around the corner. And I hope you guys will download that. If you're having any issues with it, uh, get a hold of me, podcast at thebusymom.com. Don't forget to leave a review. And don't forget, uh, Becoming MomStrong is available in stores right now. If you haven't picked it up yet, go out and check it out. Ask your local bookstore to pick it up. Amazon has it on sale right now. So check it out. And I will see you guys back here with Rebecca on Friday. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.